Hey, what up, Long Beach? Welcome back to the only podcast letting you know what's going on with our local schools, their sports teams, and the community at large. As always, we are the562.org. I'm JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Gardabasio. And I'm Tyler Hendrickson. We've got another episode chock full of local news. And this is brought to you as part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post. We also wanted to shout out the unveiling of our new merch line, which was just made available uh, late last week. It's available through the Long Beach Limited store, longbeach.ltd. Uh, we've also been promoting it on social media. So get in there and get some new 562 merch rep for What Up Long Beach. And uh, if you are a subscriber of ours on Patreon, we've already sent you a discount code to save 20% off. I know a lot of our subscribers have already taken advantage of that. So if you want in to get 20% off on all 562 merch, just become a Patreon subscriber for at least $5 a month. That's the best way to support the sports guys, Mike, JJ, and Tyler, to keep providing all of the great coverage of the Long Beach area that we've been giving you for how many years has it been, guys? So this is our 13th year, and I believe like the 15th year of the podcast or something. But I do just want to underline what Tyler said. The shirts and the hoodies look great. We have started seeing them in the wild. Tag us on social media. Um, we will absolutely retweet that, give it a like and a share on Instagram. Um, so we appreciate everyone who's gotten their stuff so far. If you are looking to cash out on a Christmas present or something like that, you can get a you can subscribe on our Patreon for $5 a month, which at a 20% discount on the merchandise is going to pay for itself very quickly if you're getting a, a couple of shirts or a hoodie. Um, so definitely visit uh, the website, click subscribe if you want to join on the Patreon. And that, like Tyler said, longbeach.ltd for the merchandise. All of the proceeds from that merchandise line are going to the 562. It is hoodie sweatshirt season. Am I wrong? There's there's something special about putting that hoodie sweatshirt on the first time. It's so soft, welcoming, and warm. It's the best. I need a side hustle for my side hustle for my side hustle so I can just have a new 562 hoodie to put on every day, JJ. That's my goal. That's my main goal in life. Make sure you visit that. Share it if you got it. Tell everybody else about it as well. Just spreading the word on the 562.org and all the stuff we're talking about is as, as important as you guys reading it. So we got to timestamp it. It's 1.40 on a Tuesday. It's 1.41. You're right. Everything is changing by the minute. So we got to make sure everybody knows that at this point, this is what we know. And what we know right now is uh, it's not all good news, but there is some good news. So if there's good news and bad news, I'm always a bad news first guy. <laughs> so there is bad news with Long Beach Unified School District, Long Beach State, and LBCC all getting news on cancellations or dates of return to campuses pushed back. All of those stories available right now at the562.org. So if you want more information on that, get there right now. We also got some good news, though. The state of California has placed sports into tiers, basically based on what they consider safest to least safe. You know, bocce ball on the safe list. Thank God. Bocce ball. Making sure it's protected. The Recreation Park Men's Club is thrilled with the state tier system. But strangely enough, uh, indoor basketball, which is actually happening right now, not on that part of the list. It's on the other end of the spectrum. So I, I don't know where to start. Let's try to bounce it around as much as we can because it's really easy to get into the weeds on this. But yes, man, bad news first, good news second. Okay, we'll do bad news real quick. I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to give it uh, all to you at once. LBCC has canceled the first half of its sports for the year. Long Beach State men's basketball team has had a positive case not on a student athlete that is going to require them to shut down their activities for two weeks, which will include a cancellation of the first weekend of Big West Conference play. And the Long Beach Unified School District has pushed back its return to in-person instruction 
from January 28th to March 1st. And I think that covers the bad news. Yes. You could also look at the state tier system as bad news as well, because some people have seen it as bad news Correct. and other people see it as good news. <laughs> I think it depends on what sport you're coaching maybe, or a fan of where you can see it as good and bad news. But I think like anything, it's all how you spin it. So leave it up to the trusted voices in local media to spin it for you and give you really all sides of the equation. Let me, let me give you some objective non-spin information. The last update to youth sports activities from the state of California's health department was on August 3rd. So regardless of your feelings about the tier system, the release of that tier system on Monday, December 14th was good news because for the first time this school year, for the first time since schools have been back in session, we have some clarity about what is going to happen, what a return to high school sports could look like, and we can say pretty confidently on this podcast, we feel very confident for the first time, or I feel very confident that we will be covering Polly, Wilson, Milliken, Lakewood, Jordan, Cabrillo, Compton, St. Anthony, playing high school sports in the 2020-21 school year. Full stop right there. That's, that's good news. <laughs> Everything after that, as Tyler and JJ said, is up to interpretation of what you consider good and bad news. But that's good news. <laughs> it's good news for sports writers. It's good news for coaches. It's good news for kids. It's just information. I think it was about two podcasts ago, we were talking about the dissemination of information and it concerns COVID-19, what's going on, what people know, what people don't know, how to avoid the problems that are happening in the future. And you're right. This is a step in the right direction. But you're also right that some people look at this and go, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. Well, and, and, and certainly there's, there's plenty of that to go around in, in all sectors, not just with youth sports. I mean, we're in a very confusing and difficult and ambiguous time, but just looking at that column with, you know, purple tier is the worst tier. It's what we're in right now. Well, let's hold on before, let's, let, let's, let me give one more caveat okay. before we start getting into okay. the tiers. Okay. The last caveat is this, there's two things at play at all times. Number one is what is the system? What is the official statement? What is the CIF calendar? What does the state say are high school sports you can play? And this is the first major update to that that we've had in four months. What you're going to see over the next week or two is the CIF update their uh, schedules most likely um, to provide some flexibility for schools and school districts and leagues to work within this structure. Um, the other half of what I just mentioned is that system can and will change based on political pressure. And I'm telling you right now, when we get down into the sports that are less likely to be played, it is going to be on you to make the governor and the state health department uh, rethink where they're slotting this thing straight up. It happened with, I'm going to give you an example, just in Long Beach with, it happened with playgrounds. Playgrounds were on the county's list of things that you weren't going to, that were going to close again. And a ton of parents reached out and said, nah, this is BS playing outside is basically all my kids have left. <laughs> And we want the playgrounds reopened. So the county issued new guidelines that said, we're going to open the playgrounds with these sort of rules in place. So what we're going to do is explain to you what this system is and what its current format means. But I want to make it clear that there will be changes to this as it filters down through the CIF and section offices. And there could be changes at the state level as people either do or do not exert pressure on the state. And as a reminder, we're talking about all of this with the mind in mind that the CIF is going to come back in late January. So there is still a lot of time, like Mike said, for stuff like this to change, uh, for those dates to change, and for the, like, the school districts like Long Beach Unified to change their schedules and just make, sure, make everything that had already come out, all the schedules that everybody already had, 
completely obsolete. Well, and, and ultimately the schools and, you know, the districts are going to have to determine, you know, what, what they're going to participate in and if there are opt-outs and if teams are going to be able to field yada, yada, there's still tons of those questions, but this is the first pullback yes. from the state giving some information saying these are the sports that you can play when things are bad <laughs> the way they are now in the purple tier. So if we can kind of quickly run through some of the yeah. sports okay. that we are feeling good about and can anticipate at least being able to cover likely at the end of January, like JJ said, when the CIF is going to some start some activities, these are the sports that you can play that are essentially, these are not a high risk and we can do them. I'm going to start a timer for myself in about two minutes to break this down. No, because I got cornhole thoughts, Mike. <laughs> we can't, <laughs> well, we okay, can't well, just go through it. We got to stop on each one. What well, I want to no. say first and foremost is we called this back in May. We said the first thing that was going to be safe enough for people to come back is golf. And I think golf is like that line that you draw. You don't have to touch each other's equipment. You don't have to touch each other. You know what I mean? It can be socially distant. Things of that nature are going to uh, factor in heavily on this. And I think golf is just the perfect place to start that example of what we could be covering in a couple months. So the, first, the most important thing, first of all, is that all youth sports are disallowed until January 25th. So that includes youth basketball teams playing against each other, includes Little League, it includes anything. So January 25th, youth sports will, quote unquote, start back up. And what the state has done is place different sports, uh, sometimes even differentiated as to whether it's outdoor or indoor versions of that sport into different tiers. I think we're all familiar with the purple, red, orange, yellow LA County, which Long Beach is a part of, unfortunately, has been in the purple tier this entire time. Um, and we don't know how much vaccines uh, and the more restrictive shutdown orders that have come out over the last couple of weeks. We don't know where we're going to end up. But these are the sports. And for the purposes, cornhole aside, bocce ball aside, for the purposes of this podcast, I think we can limit our discussion to more league and CIF sports. So sports that local high schools will contest. Under the purple tier, which means these would be allowed to host competitions between teams, even in the purple tier, which is where the LA County has been. We have golf, as JJ mentioned. I think the biggest one by far we have is track and field, which is obviously a huge sport in Long Beach. We have swimming and diving when it's con contested outdoors. We have tennis. We have cross country, which is obviously also very popular by numbers sport. Cross country and track are, the, other than football, the two largest enrollment sports in the LBUSD. So those are really big deals to have on there and outdoor badminton is the other And one. you know, that's only going to get higher. If somebody is on a team is on playing a sport, that's going to be on a lower tier, their season gets canceled. And they're like, well, I might as well run track. Oh, I, uh, uh Terrence, uh, Blanton, the, the father of Cam Blanton, who is a, d a defensive back at Polly, who's now at Bosco literally posted the thing on his Facebook and just said, see you guys on the track. <laughs> so yes, that's what I would do a hundred percent. Now we move to the red tier, which is what is still known as the substantial tier these are outdoor moderate contact sports i personally believe given that the second half of the spring sports were scheduled to go like march april to june i think there's a very good chance we are going to get these sports um we're looking at baseball we're looking at cheerleading we're looking at gymnastics we are looking at men's and women's lacrosse we are looking at softball so those are the red tier sports then we move to the orange tier the moderate tier no one in Southern California has yet made it to the orange tier. LA County has not even made it to the red tier. Even Orange County never got down to the orange tier. We are talking about possibly a world where these sports could be moved into a red tier. We're also talking about a world where uh, the vaccine obviously is already being injected into people. And we have no idea what effect that's going to have on the overall numbers. Outdoors, 
basketball, football, boys and men's lacrosse, rugby, soccer, uh, crew with more than two people, with two or more people, soccer, volleyball, and water polo, indoors gymnastics, uh, and indoor swimming, indoor tennis, indoor volleyball is also under the orange tier. Do we have a chance to get to the orange tier? I think that we do because uh, I do think that the vaccine can speed things along. If we look at how much this virus has twisted and turned over the last six months, um, we know that three months from now is a very long time. We go to the yellow tier, which is quite frankly, uh, very unlikely. <laughs> We're very unlikely to get to the yellow tier in this, uh, in this school year, in my opinion. The yellow tier is basically that the virus does not exist in the community. You're looking at indoor cheerleading and indoor dance, you're looking at uh, indoor everything basketball. indoors. You're looking at indoor basketball. You're looking at indoor soccer, which obviously we don't play indoor water polo and indoor wrestling, which I think as JJ said last week, um, rough time to be a wrestler. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, just uh, probably the single most challenging sport to bring back, um, possibly even as we look to the next school year. It's, it's interesting to point out, though, because we haven't covered a game in a while. We'd spent almost eight months, nine months, eight, almost nine months without covering a game. And the game that we came back to was an indoor basketball game at the pyramid. And that is like one of the sports that is in the yellow tier uh, from the state. And so it, it, it is puzzling. And I think people are a bit confused if this is one of the more quote unquote high risk sports, then why is that the game that's being played? There's obviously financial incentives that go along with that, but also financial requirements as far as testing. So what, what needs to happen, I would say, in order to, for us to get into these um, more relaxed tiers and these sports that are considered more high risk, in order to play those at the high school level, there will need to be some movement. There will need to be kind of an understanding that, hey, we, we aren't going to have the capacity to test all these kids, but you know, transmission is low. It's lower risk for high school aged kids. And um, you know, maybe educators, coaches, if they're able to get the vaccine by that point, we're obviously doing a lot of speculating here, but but it is possible that these could still be played. Or keep in mind, these are not full. That many of them are not full time employees mm -hmm. of school districts, so it is going to be easier to put in a, a liability waiver or an opt in for those employees than it will be for someone who's in a teachers union who would potentially have to cross a picket line um, to be coaching. So other variables include: Are we going to see club versions of teams exist um, in order to allow them to compete faster? That's a real possibility. Are we going to see things like volleyball moved uh, outdoor? Are we going to see basketball moved outdoors to make it an orange tier sport? A a everything's on the table. I don't understand why people aren't already talking about that. Let's talk about it right now. You know, <laughs> I mean, sincerely, how much money would it take and who, you know, who of the NBA products out of Southern California would be willing to invest in an outdoor court in an area like the Honda Center where there's a huge parking lot? Um, that teams could spread out. It's in Orange County, which is more likely to get to the Orange tier than LA County, that you could host a postseason CIF basketball tournament, right? I mean, this is seriously the stuff we should be talking about if we're seriously talking about returning to play for the highest number of sports possible. Man, forget play. We live in Southern California. Take classrooms outside if people are talking about not being able to get back on campus until March. Why is that not an option? Why are we not talking about doing more things outdoors? It's very obvious. The science has been very obvious for months now that indoors is going to come a lot later than outdoor activity. So yeah, I say go outside right now and start figuring that out. I mean, volleyball just makes sense. Volleyball just makes sense to play outdoors. I know with basketball, you're going to deal with like weather and stuff like that. But to me personally, 
I'd rather watch a volleyball match outside than inside. I mean, a hundred, yeah, a hundred percent, even so-called mm-hmm. indoor volleyball. I mean, you know what I mean? Great. Like, get it, get it outside. I mean, I think that would be so much fun. And, um, and on top of that, I just think, you know, there's costs that are going to be unbearable as Tyler mentioned, you know, the big West and the NCAA is contesting basketball. Um, despite the fact that it is in the lowest tier of safety <laughs> and they are not contesting volleyball, which is in the orange tier. They're not doing that for safety reasons. They're doing that for monetary reasons, right? Yes. The, the checks cut are in the highest tier for March Madness, Mike. The checks cut for the women's volleyball tournament are in the lowest tier. Right. The, checks, the checks for men's basketball are in the purple tier. The checks for women's volleyball are in the yellow tier. And that is, unfortunately, as I, I, we just discussed the structure of this, those financial incentives, that political pressure is a part of this. It is 100% a part of this. I, if you feel that angry about that because it's unscientific, I agree with you. But I would ask you to question why people were able to go drink at bars in this state uh, months and months and months before we're even considering opening your average public first grade classroom. If attending a high school soccer game affected the economy, we'd be all right, right? Because that's, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's what money does as opposed to that classic like money talks phrase. It's also what money does. Money moves things. And that's just not the case for amateur sports, which if I'm being honest, is a reason why we love amateur sports so much is because it isn't tied to money as much as professional sports. Well, money talks, but so do people. So if, you know, if you've got the opportunity to, to put pressure in and, and let your elected leaders know, hey, this is something that's important to me and my family. And this, and this is something that we feel passionately about and, and, and really, you know, apply the pressure the same way that, you know, the business owners have. And there's been movement in a positive way and a negative way from their perspective. It doesn't, it's not always going to work, but, you know, being, a, being an advocate for high school sports and other things like that, that you want is very important. So we encourage people to, to have their voices heard because you've seen the impact. You've seen health orders get changed. We saw what happened with Halloween where the state said that trick or treating wasn't going to happen. And then the next day they said, all right, we got that one wrong. You can do modified trick or treating. So that everything is flexible and things will change in the months ahead, but, but obviously keeping the numbers down is effective too. So make, make smart choices, stay vigilant, keep wearing your mask. And, and hopefully all of these factors will work together to have a happy or a somewhat happy ending at the end of all this. With that in mind, Tyler, that flexibility, I was talking to a local coach the other day and they said, what, what's the possibility of seniors getting this year back? Kind of like keeping their eligibility, right? Well, that doesn't really make sense because you're in a high school, you're going to college, your life is moving on. High school sports at that point aren't, you know, they're not the thing holding you back or pushing you forward. That being said, though, American Legion Baseball in the summer does this thing where they allow seniors who have already graduated to play on the high school team in the American Legion League. Tyler, you're right. Let's stay flexible. I don't see why we can't also start considering the fact that maybe a tournament in the summer for teams who can get cleared or might be able to play something at that time could happen. Why are we keeping ourselves locked in this box of, well, we have to do non-league and then league and then playoffs and championships. I feel like that's out the window. I feel like we need to start already adjusting for the future where we're not canceling things. We're changing the shape of things so that these kids can play something. If I were a football player right now, I would put my money on the table to be able to play four games. 100%. Not the 10 that was guaranteed, not the mm-hmm. league that was guaranteed, and maybe a playoffs that could or couldn't happen. I put my money on ga- on four games right now just because I want to play. And that, I feel like, is way more possible right now than it would be if you're trying to plan that stuff 
in March. So, I, and I think that's what we're waiting on is how does the CIF and Southern section respond to this? I think as we mentioned on a podcast discussing Rob Wygod's moves, I actually think they've been the best and most transparent organization in the state uh, throughout this. And so I, I really believe we will get something that allows for the maximum flexibility um, that is, you know, hopefully include some sort of support on their end for how could we put together an outdoor basketball tournament, um, that kind of a thing. Because, yeah, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. And we need that planning to start happening now, um, not in February. You know, so that's where we've got to see that movement quickly to allow people um, some flexibility. You know? And maybe it does become a situation where there's enough pressure at the county level that people can say, hey, man, I know that we're in the red tier and this is an orange sport, but I'm willing to sign a waiver saying I'd like my son to be able to play this sport. You know, JJ just mentioned it. You know, those seniors are not going to get an extra year of eligibility um, at the high school level. Everyone in junior college and the NCAA is getting an extra year of eligibility. So this is really brutal on high school juniors and seniors because they're sort of being shoved forward into this thresher where they're going to be competing against 23 and 24 year olds for roster spots. Um, we have a couple kids in Long Beach who've had scholarship offers pulled because the scholarship counts aren't going up or the uh, schools aren't going to be able to afford to bring in kids that aren't going to be able to play compared to a 23 or 24 year old senior. So it, it's brutal on these kids that 30 States in the country, 30 to 40 States in the country figure out how to play high school football and California hasn't been able to do it. Um, because yeah, it's we, I could point to right now a half dozen kids in Long Beach who I think are mid major up to PAC 12 level kids who need to be able to play and get filmed to have the opportunity to earn those scholarships. And as JJ said, I don't care if it's one game, one game is more than zero games. Four games is more than one. 10 games is more than four. And for these kids, they've been working some of them this entire time doing conditioning, doing team outdoor workouts in order to get that one opportunity. And we owe them as a state, the same effort that they've put in. We owe them that chance to not give up on them. Got to give them something. You could even do the San Gabriel Valley League, more league model that the Kiwanis Club does for the all-star game for baseball in the summer. You could get the seniors who didn't get their season in the fall together. And the more league could have a team, let's say for boys soccer, for example, Morley could have a boys soccer team. SGVL could have a boys soccer team. And those teams get to play each other maybe twice, maybe four times, maybe do a seven game series. Who cares? It's something. You got to give them something. You have to give them something. And the, the more inflexible the official channels are, the more kids are going to be, the, the more kids are going to do what we did when we were young and you could pirate music, but you couldn't afford it. These kids aren't going to just say, Oh, I'm in the orange tier. I guess I don't get a scholarship. That's not what's going to happen. There are going to be club outlets that are not as safe, that are not as well regulated, and kids are going to follow that option. That is 100% going to happen. It's already happening, even though you're really literally not, no one's allowed to have competitions right now at the high school level. And, you know, I think I understand the state is not privy to the value of uh, not having an organ, uh, uh, not having sort of fly by night stuff like that take over for high school football the way it has for some other sports. But I'm telling you, they need to come together, whether that's from public pressure or the CIF state informing them or whatever, they need to understand what JJ is saying. Because if you don't give those kids hope, they will find a place to go get it. And I'm not going to blame those kids. I, I've talked to several of the Morley coaches. The Morley coaches aren't going to blame those kids. The CIF is not going to blame those kids. They're looking to do anything they can for a scholarship 
or even just to have some kind of a senior season experience. And, uh, you know, like I said, like Jay just said, we need to step up for them the way that they've stepped up this whole time. You can get involved in this discussion right now. Obviously, all of those stories we just talked about are on the website and on social media. The comments on those stories, very interesting. So get involved in the discussion as we continue on into the, uh, the wild unknown. Before we go to our interview, I wanted to kind of set it up a little bit. We're going to be talking to Crystal Hogan, who is an NCAA basketball referee and uh, kind of pedigree from Compton, right? Violet Palmer, uh, Violet Palmer, Compton High alum, uh, who later played, I believe, at Cal State, was the first female referee in the NBA. Yeah, absolute trailblazer. And as you mentioned, Compton and Long Beach have a, a great history of that. Well, Hogan went to Dominguez High. She also went to Long Beach State where uh, one Kevin Cutler was an assistant coach. He is now an NCAA NBA ref, and, and he got her into officiating. She was actually in the Drew League. She did some NCAA stuff. She's one of the only female refs of NCAA men's games right now. Uh, so Crystal Hogan was a great interview. We'll get to that in just a second. We've mentioned the craziness of the world right now, and be sure that in all of this, that you're remembering the local businesses that help support the things that you care about. One of those businesses is Naples Rib Company down on 2nd Street. They have been a longtime sponsor of everything that we've done here at the 562.org. So be sure to head down to Naples. You can, you can call them. You can visit ribcompany.com. Get those to-go orders in. You can do your holiday meal with Naples. They can obviously lace you up with all types of barbecue and pasta and tons of delicious options. So please support Naples Rib. They support Long Beach Sports, and we should support them. We now welcome on our special guest for the week, a trailblazing basketball referee and Compton's own Crystal Hogan. Crystal, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us. How you been? I've been good. I've been good. Thank you very much for inviting me. I appreciate the opportunity. So as a basketball referee, you must have been itching to get back on the court. Have you been back on the court? Have you been refing it recently? Oh, yes, finally. Finally. Uh, yeah, we, I've been on the court. Um, but after taking a whole summer off, it's, you know, it, that, that was kind of hard. But yeah, no, I'm back on the court. We're back going. What did you do to fill your time when basketball would have been taking over your summer? Did you pick up a new hobby or anything? You know what? I, I went back to school. I am going back to get my master's. Oh, good for you. So, yeah, I, I decided to go back. It's something I've been contemplating for a long time. But, you know, with, with you know, with basketball, my work schedule has been kind of tough. So um, with the time that I had, I just decided to go back. So I'll be getting, I'll be getting my master's uh, next year in criminal justice. So Wow, that's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, you know, obviously we have a lot of questions about basketball, so we'll start there. Do, do you remember the first time you played basketball? Uh, yes, I do, actually. Um, I, I started really late. I started really late. I started, like, maybe the, the eighth grade going into the ninth grade. So I really started in the ninth grade. And uh, it was a – I went to Roosevelt Middle School in Compton, and it was a – it was some type of – I forget the tournament. I forget the name of it, but – it was it was then it was it was late in my later year, later years towards the ninth grade so but I do remember and I didn't know anything absolutely <laughs> nothing <laughs> I did not know anything. What other sports did you play? Well, I played all sports. I played basketball, softball, volleyball. I played all sports, but I did not play any extra. I didn't play anything outside besides football in the streets with the boys from light post to light post in Compton. <laughs> but other than that, I didn't I didn't play any sports. That was it. Speaking of that, what was it like growing up in Compton in the 90s? You know what? Um, for me, I mean, I, I mean, I, it was it was OK. You know, I was I was raised by my grandmother and my mom. But it was 
it was okay, but I've, I've seen a lot. I mean, it, it, there's a lot that happens in Compton, but there's a lot, there's also a lot of good that happens in Compton. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's just a matter of who you, who you surround yourself with. And I was lucky enough when, you know, when that time comes when you can either take a left or take a right in life. Um, I was, I was just happy that sports took me right instead of left when it was time. Did you end up going, did you end up going to Compton high school? No, I went to Dominguez high school. Okay. Okay. The best high school in Compton, (laughs) California. So, so I mean, when you get to Dominguez, did you already have basketball as part of your plans? No, I did not. No, I didn't. I actually, again, like I said, I started playing in the ninth grade. And what was so funny is I was playing softball. Me and my best friend, we decided to play softball, but she also played basketball. So she talked me into uh, playing basketball, going trying out for the team. And the, the coach that we had, his name was Albert Turner, and he was actually a football coach. And I'm sure you know him. He's, he's at Harvard yeah. now. But that was my coach, and he absolutely – he didn't know anything either as our coach. He was a football coach, but he, he took on the job of uh, coaching us in basketball, and we all learned together. And I got to tell you, I mean, he was the most intense but most caring coach. Like, we, we – he, he took all of, all of his girls, and he took care of us. And he, he, he taught us as he learned the game of basketball. But it was just – it was so – we were so committed. I mean, we were spending five hours in the gym. That's unheard of now, but – We'd spend between five and 10, we'd be in the gym. Wow. So what kind of game were you developing? What, was there a style you were working on? Did you know what you wanted to be as a basketball player? No, I did. I, again, this was all <laughs> trying to – no, I, I actually – you know what? I kind of developed a liking for uh, shooting. Like I, I was a shooting guard, and uh, my teammates will tell you I was a pure shooting guard. I played no defense whatsoever, <laughs> and um, I kind of got yelled at quite a bit for not passing. So – I, <laughs> I was a I was a guard. I played shooting guard. So how'd you end up? How'd you end up at Compton College and then at Long Beach State? Uh, Louis Nelson was uh, the coach at Compton, and uh, he and he asked me to come play for him. And uh, I can't. I, he was also in collaboration with Albert Turner, so it was it was like a normal transition. And I actually did very well with him at Compton College. And then you got some attention from Long Beach State from that. And then I got recruited. Uh, yeah, I got recruited and was offered a full scholarship after one year at Compton College to go to Long Beach State. So what back when they were giving out four four uh four year yeah. scholarships, I was on that four year scholarship plan. So I was able to get uh two degrees out the deal, which I'm like truly, truly humbled and, and blessed to be able to have gotten. What else do you remember about your time at Long Beach State? You know, I, I just remember, I mean, being growing up in, in Compton, it was t- it was it was different because I hadn't been out really out of Compton. So when I got to Long Beach State, it was it was kind of a culture shock, even though it's down the street. It was it was still, you know, it's a lot of diversity at Long Beach State. And it was it was a really, really good experience um, being being a college student at Long Beach State as well as a student athlete, you know. So it was I, I mean, we we. We did what college athletes do. <laughs> we, had, we had a good time. We studied, but we had a good time. And um, it was it was a very good experience. And I, and I I just only wish that a lot more um, of our inner city kids could get the experience to be able to um, be a, a college student. Absolutely. So you get your degrees. You get a, get a very good day job working as a social worker. Like you said, going back to school to even uh, do that more. So why consider going back and officiating basketball? I think it was in 2002, right? Well, like, why even consider that at, at that point in your life? 
Well, this is the thing. I, well, right now I'm a parole agent. I'm a parole agent for the state of California. Um, I mm. was a social worker right out of college for uh, Department of Children and Family Services. Um, so that was my first job. But now I'm, I'm, I'm with state parole. But, you know, as far as going back to officiate and, and you'll know, um, Kevin Cutler. I'm sure you'll, you know Kevin Cutler. Yeah, very well. Um, We've actually covered his daughters playing sports at Long Beach College. Yes. Yes. They, both of them are magnificent. Um, I, I, he was actually a coach. He was an assistant coach at Long Beach State when I met him. And, um, you know, we, we, we kind of remained friends. Once I, after I graduated, we, we remained uh, really good friends. And he, he started refereeing. And um, he knew I just had a baby. And he's like, you know, how about are you interested in, you know, making a little bit of extra money, but, you know, still doing something that you like, you, you, you know, because he knew how much I really enjoy basketball. And uh, that's kind of how I got started. He got he guided me. He guided me through and, you know, introduced me to the Long Beach High School unit. And that's where I started. Now, when you start as a referee like that, are you literally going to class? Are you sitting in a classroom watching film and, and breaking down how to be a referee? What's the training like? Well, for high school, yes, you, you attend meetings with high school. You have to have a certain amount of hours um, and you do go. And that's where you that's where you learn the, the, the basics of officiating. And you do um, you do sit in a classroom um, and you do have tests and you do watch film and you do the floor work, you have to do a certain amount of hours of floor work, um, meaning go out and, you know, referee um, before you can get certified to referee high school games. So in your opinion, what makes a good basketball referee? Someone that that can take constructive criticism, someone that can admit that, hey, I missed the play. I'm not I'm not perfect. <laughs> I missed the play. Um, I think for me, what made me better is that I was always willing to to listen to my peers, listen to other coaches, listen to, you know, my mentors. And if they were to tell me something, it, I just take the positive out of it and roll with it. You know, I, I, I think that's, that's, and, and hard work and dedication, you know, that comes with anything, but I would just say just having an open mind and being able to grasp the, grasp the concept of we're, we're all still human as even if we're referees, we're all still human and we make mistakes and it's okay to make mistakes. Um, so, but you know, you go out there and you think that, you know, you can tell people what to do and do this and do that and give technical fouls out. That's not, that's not the way to, that's, that's just not how you get better. Absolutely. Obviously we're talking about, you know, almost 20 years ago, so it's a different world, but did you encounter sexism when you first started officiating those high school games? Um, I wouldn't call, no, I wouldn't call it sexism. No, I, I just think that, I mean, there was, it was just, you know, girls, referee, girls basketball and guys referee guys basketball that's kind of how I took it so how did you get involved in refereeing the Drew League games uh you know what Kevin Keller again (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Keller again um you know I actually sat and watched him and you know Michael Houston and Cliff Sims I I actually watched the veterans referee a couple I, I watched them ref for two years before I even got out on the floor I was it was just that intense um and I actually liked it. I mean, once I was thrown out on the floor by my peers, I mean, I was scared as I don't know what. But once I got out there and actually got through the game, it was actually I, I actually really, really enjoyed it because it was I, I was challenged. So that's kind of how I started. Did you feel like you got treated a little bit differently than the male referees in those games? Absolutely not. <laughs> those guys out there, they just see a referee. They don't care if you're a male or female. They just see referees. And if you get your plays wrong, they'll tell you. 
whether you're a male or female. Well, you got some plays right because then you ended up working with the G League, uh, NCAA women's basketball. Did, did you think at that point that getting to be a referee for NCAA men's games was a goal of yours? Did you set that as a goal or did it kind of just happen? I did not. It, it never it never occurred to me um, that I wanted to work men's men's college because it just never was it, the opportunity was never there. I've never seen any any other female ref it. So that wasn't a goal of mine. Um, I, I really enjoyed men's basketball. So I just fig- I just figured I'd ref Julie. That would be my fix to ref in men's basketball. I mean, I, I ref every I probably ref every pro-am league around <laughs> the state. Um, and some out of state, but um, the opportunity just presented itself and it just so happens I was ready. Do you think it's important to have female referees for men's sports in the NCAA? I think I think it's important to have a, a ref, any referee that can do the job, male and or female. But I think we're I think we're coming. I think, you know, we will have there will be more women more interested now that, that there is an opportunity there. I, I mean, we still don't know all the women or if there were any women even interested, you know, but. Now that there's an opportunity, let's just hope that, you know, women that 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 want to do the job will come. So you've seen basketball for a long time now. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the biggest conversations around hoops, both college and pro and everything, is the way the game has changed. The game is so much faster, so many more possessions now. Does that make your job as a referee harder? For me, no. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) For me, no. I mean, I've 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 been doing Drew League since two thousand and think seven or eight. So I mean the game's already been fast. For me, it's fine. (laughs) That's great. Uh thank you again for taking the time. We really appreciate it. And uh congratulations on all your success. Uh best of luck in the future. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um I appreciate the opportunity. I really sincerely hope you guys were watching Monday Night Football last night. Uh, I tuned in as Lamar Jackson was leaving the field with cramps that if you have ever had diarrhea, it was a very familiar kind of cramp as he was waddling clenchedly to the bathroom in the locker room, which for some reason, if clenchedly isn't a word, it needs to be. Can you, there's no other way to describe that walk. Correct. It's like, Oh, he's holding every piece of himself together. And for some reason they're doing this to this NFL MVP and putting this on television. So we all know that this guy's not cramping up. (laughs) He was a bit for clenched. He was for Clint. Absolutely legendary. He, he goes, he runs off the field with cramps. He runs back on at fourth and five with his team losing, throws a touchdown to put the Ravens up. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. One of the most legendary. I almost pooped my pants moments in history. I have to say human beings and their relationship with uh, waste is fascinating to me. Everybody, everybody does it. Every single person in the entire world does it, right? They do it. They've probably had an accident before. Every single one of us. I'm looking at you, everybody. And yet we deal with it in this like secretive way where people aren't allowed to know when you're going to the bathroom. Why? Everybody has the same experiences that you have. And the reason why we hide it from each other makes no sense to me. Well, it's just, it is a funny aspect of the human experience. And I will say uh, they, you know, they always say that when you have kids, it changes the way you see everything. And that's definitely true. But one of those reasons was, I remember I would think frequently when I would be changing my son or my daughter's diaper, uh, the president of the United States had to have this done at some point. Like every person on earth was once too small to even walk to the toilet. <laughs> and then if you get old enough, it happens all the way over again. 
and we're out here pretending like it's not happening. Like people are using code words on Monday Night Football. Guys, we know what poop is. We're well aware of what poop is. <laughs> Just say he needs to go to the bathroom. They do the same thing when guys get hit in the balls. Yeah. <laughs> where they're like, oh, he, it's where the sun don't shine or that's a unique injury or something. It's just like, just say he got hit in the ball. He's been shaken up. <laughs> right. Uh, does anybody have a really embarrassing sports moment they want to share? I scored on the wrong bucket in high school basketball. I, always, I think I've told that story before, so I don't need to do it again. I, I, was, I was younger than high school, but I scored on the wrong bucket too. And it, it was a bolt of shame – I, at like 11 years old that I could still, I can still take that one out of the shelf and smell it. You know what I mean? It, it was an absolute, the most like, Oh my God, I want to run out of this gym and never come back moment. I, I immediately started questioning my thought process on everything. Like what did, five seconds ago, what was I thinking to the point where it, four seconds ago, I caught the ball and three seconds ago, I put it back up in the same bucket. It's always, it's, 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 it's always on a, it's always off of a, a rebound. Uh, like because you're just it's just like muscle memory takes over. Mine was on a free throw, so we had been Mine lined too. up, which is why the coach Mine was too. like, "You can't like you're you've been standing there on the wrong side of the court for 15 seconds." <laughs> I yeah, talk about remembering it. I mean, we were at Upland, your guys's favorite place in the world, second <laughs> on the Upland Highlanders, in a summer basketball game before my freshman year, and it was punishment. I was in the game, got pulled because it was a blowout, and I was messing around on the bench. So the coach was like, you want to mess around? Get back in the game. Oh, my God. Right to the, right to the free throw line in order to catch the ball and put it right back up. Which, come on, JJ, you're the first person next to the bucket. You're clearly, yeah. clearly not shooting the free throw. I'm going to give you permission here. If it's a summer game, your freshman year of high school, I'm going to give you permission to not say that was a high school basketball game. I'm going to give you permission to say that was a youth sports basketball game. I was wearing the name of my school on my jersey. That's a high school basketball game. It makes it a little tougher. It makes it a little tougher. Hard to back from that. <laughs> Tyler, you got one? So I don't have really an embarrassing moment as an athlete. In particular, Tyler was a sifter. I mentioned Tyler was a sifter. He would not do the embarrassing Oklahoma. He would just suddenly find himself third in line for twisted 10 minutes sifter. Straight. But uh, I would. Uh, I mean, obviously, I had you know, I got thrown out of a baseball game. I think I talked about that on a previous episode. But that was not something that I regret. Yes, not or particularly not embarrassed by. Yeah. But I, <laughs> you guys are aware that I had an embarrassing moment at a sporting event that I was covering. <laughs> so I don't mind. Uh, on my birthday. On Mike's birthday. On my birthday, which is a yes. Special unique day because it doesn't come around. I don't know if it was the actual birthday or we were just celebrating it that day. But um, you know, just pop down in my very hard to get into seat in the uh, auxiliary media area and you know, just maybe my pants split open. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> um but uh, I hope no one across the court had a binocular, you know, that they could really take a nice look under the table. Um, there was, it was breezy. It was breezy down there. Uh, you texted me. Yeah. I just ripped, I just ripped the whole ass out of my pants <laughs> or something. And I believe I was sitting with my wife, Shaw, and I showed her the text message. And then we both looked up at you and it was like, it was the most perfect facial expression. <laughs> Who combined with a shrug, it's just like, I have no options here. I can't move. I can't go anywhere. I, I'm sitting in front of two very famous former basketball players who are now NBA scouts. Oh, and I'm I, was, I was stuck and uh, I didn't feel like going to a press conference was a good idea where I would be, you know, potentially exposing myself to coaches and student athletes on a, you know, recorded uh, medium. So, um, you know, we, we, we work together as a team. 
smuggled me out and, um, you know, conveniently held my bag in such a way to uh, protect, um, you know, the, the, the public at large. And uh, we, we yeah, just as the, you had pooped yourself, you yeah. know, or you were or you were a girl who'd gotten her period in an unexpected time and had to do the jacket wrap around. I mean, everyone's had to cover their front or their back, you know, and, and get out of there as quickly as possible. Life gets in the way sometimes, you know, it's funny. You should have just asked Miss Mitch Cupcheck if you could borrow his pants. I guess that at that point it would be Cupcheck and Pants Check just sitting right next to each other. <laughs> yeah. Cupcheck and Coat Check. Yeah, no, it was uh it was it was traumatizing for a while, but you know, we we all made the best of it and made made plenty of references to it in the highlight videos. So. All right, let's stop talking about ourselves and get back to work. We've got a lot of stories to put up on the website right now, a lot of breaking news, a lot of things happening. Check out our other podcast, the LB Fee Show, which we're also recording today on Tuesday because another cancellation, or I guess you could say the first one was a postponement, but if you never play the game, isn't the first one actually a cancellation? Long Beach State Men's Basketball was supposed to play at UCLA, and we're talking to Athletic Director Andy Fee about that, what that means for the program, what that means for the other sports at Long Beach State, and everything that is the world of COVID related. So check out those stories, share them with your friends, get yourself some merch, support the 562.org, which is also supporting Long Beach. For Mike and for Tyler and for JJ and for everybody else at the 562.org and Long Beach Post. Thank you. We will see for you the soon. Purple tier. We'll see you soon, Purple Tier. Everybody else, hang tight.